Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Steve Murphy. I'm one of the ministers here at Discover, and uh, just great to see all of you. If you have a Bible, um, go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 17. We're going to get there in a little bit, a little bit longer introduction than normal today, but just hang with me. If you don't have a Bible, we want to let you know that they are free. You can pick one up out in the lobby and have that as our gift. And if you're uh, connecting with us through um, version through your online app, just make sure you're on the event that says Counterculture One, and you'll be with us. So, all right, so yesterday was the Ohio State um, spring game. It was more like a practice, um, but there were 100,000 people there, which is just amazing. Um, but Ohio State football, you know, in the spring makes me think of Ohio State football in the fall. And uh, I was just thinking, it made me think of um, last year. Um, I had a free Saturday. And uh, that's pretty rare, so I thought, oh, I, I think I'm going to try to get a ticket. So I got a ticket. That, that wasn't free. But anyway, um, got a ticket, went down to the stadium. The ticket was way up high. So if you've been to Ohio State, you know how it is when you're walking in there, right? Like you go up uh, the ramp. And then you turn, and then you go up the ramp, and then you turn, and then you go up the ramp, you know, and you just keep walking and walking. And I, I started to feel kind of tired, and um, I was like, oh, this is kind of odd. But anyway, I just kept going, didn't want to slow down the crowd or anything, so I'm walking up the ramp, I'm getting more tired, and I'm actually starting to feel a little bit dizzy. And I'm thinking, man, this isn't so good. And it took a few more steps, and, and I just had to sit down. So I sat down. And then um, uh, an EMT, somebody got an EMT, EMT came over. And EMT, you know, did some things like, um, okay, what's your name? And I told him, and he said, do you know where you are? And I said, yeah. And then he said, I was just wondering, do you think you might be interested in um, our community-wide garage sale this Saturday? (laughs) What? What? Why do I care about... A community-wide garage sale right now. That is completely irrelevant to my situation. Man. Well, if that story seems unbelievable, that's because it is. It didn't really happen. But anyway, um, it, it helps to illustrate something that happens a lot. As a church... As, and I don't mean this church, I mean the church, a lot of times we talk about things that don't seem to be really relevant to people's lives. We don't help them make that application. And as we go into this series, we're going to be digging into some stuff that's really, really relevant, really relevant um, to the situation that we find ourselves in today in our culture. But again, people don't see the church as relevant. And I'm not just saying that. Uh, a survey was taken by the Church Growth Institute, and the number two reason people are not involved in a local church is because they think the church is irrelevant. The number one reason they're not involved in the church is because they think church is boring. Well, I'm not interested in, in an irrelevant, boring God, are you? Who would want that? So we want to present God who is very relevant and anything but boring. And as we walk through life, we have to figure out how to make that connection. Because I don't care if you're here for the very first time, and if you are, welcome. But if you've been here for a long time, and you're a member, and you're engaged and plugged in, we're all walking on a journey together. It's a, it's a journey that is just a universal thing. And we're all part 
of an ancient struggle, every single one of us. And this struggle affects us in all kinds of ways, physically, emotionally, relationally, spiritually. It's a struggle between good and evil. And because of the wrong choices we made in this struggle, we created this, this gap, this space between us and God. And there's no way we can cross it. And you know, God could have said, that's fine, this is what you deserve, and so I'm just going to leave you separate from me. But that is not who God is. And God built a bridge between us and him, and he did that through Jesus. See, God is all about restoring broken relationships. Listen to just a couple of things that we have in the Bible. In 2 Peter 3.9, it says, The Lord is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but that everyone would come to repentance. In Romans 8, it says that, what shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will, we, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? We just finished walking through the book of Luke together. And in there we saw that Jesus said he came to seek and save the lost. And when Jesus was hanging on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them. Jesus asked for forgiveness for the people crucifying him. And that includes all of us. So we need to be really, really, really clear. God is all about restoring relationships. God is for people. God is for people. So when we talk about issues and when we talk about this struggle, we need to be very clear that people are not the enemy. Okay? People are not the enemy. Well, well, if people aren't the enemy, then who is? Well, that's a great question. And God tells us in Ephesians 6.12, it says, Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the, the, the universe, the, the rulers of this universe, the dark ones who are out trying to rule, and against the principalities in this dark world, the, the evil things that are around. That's the enemy. In 1 Peter 5.8, it says, just, you need to be very careful because the devil is like a roaring lion, and he wants to tear you up. The devil is your enemy. But there's good news. If you're a follower of Jesus, it doesn't matter that the devil is your enemy in this because it says that the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. So that's good news. And there's more good news returning back to Romans 8. It says that nothing can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus and that we are more than conquerors. We are more than victorious. So as we enter this, we don't need to be afraid. We don't need to be, uh, you know, concerned. We just need to say, you know what, we're going to enter this and we're going to speak into it with love because this is a battle for souls. A battle for our own souls. And so we lean into this struggle we don't back away from it, but we lean into it with God's message. We speak God's truth. Our truth is always God's word, not human wisdom. Okay, so quick wrap up to the introduction. God is for people. So we are for people. 
And our source of truth is the Bible, God's word, God's plan for us. And following God's example, our goal is to build bridges, not walls. So that brings us to our text for today, Acts chapter 17. And if you're in a life group, which I hope most of you are, I hope all of you are, um, the life groups, almost all of them are doing this study, and so you're going to watch a video each week. This week, David Platt is going to speak on Acts 17, and we won't always use the same text, but today we are. However, the message that you're going to hear from David Platt on the video is completely different from the message that we're going to talk about today. And the reason for that is because we just can't mine all of it. There's so much there God wants to give to us. So this is complimentary, I would say. And in Acts chapter 17, the main character is Paul. Um, most of you know that Paul was a guy who, who used to, to go against everything Jesus said, and then Jesus talked to him, and he, he got a hold of him, and he said, you know, turn your life around, and Paul did. And then he became the guy, he wrote half of the New Testament. And Paul is there, he's talking to a group of people they say they're very religious. They're, they're doing everything they can to, to not offend anybody. Does this sound like anything you've ever heard before? You know, you don't want to offend anybody. So you, you say, that's cool, and that's cool, and that's cool, and we're going to worship that, and that, and that, and that, and they're all equal. And they even say, you know what, we, just in case, we don't want to offend someone, we're going to say, um, we're going to worship this unknown God. And that's where Paul enters. See, these people were looking for something, and they didn't even know what they were looking for. My friends, there are so many people around us that are in that same exact situation. In our Discover Athletics program, each year, between 28 and 35 percent, we've been doing it for over 10 years, every year, between 28 and 35 percent of the families who say they are in our program and who are in our program say they have no church affiliation whatsoever. One out of three, every year. A reliable survey that puts this building, which is not the church, I mean we are the church, but this building is the center of that survey and goes out five miles, says that 37, 38% of the people have no faith affiliation whatsoever around us. And if you're one of those people who's just trying to figure it out, we're really glad you're here with us today. Thanks for being here. And if you're a person that is already connected to God, I want to ask you the same question I'm asking myself. Do we care about those who aren't connected to God? I mean, do we really care? And we might say we care, or we might say, well, if they were interested, I mean, they would find God. That's what God says, right? But here's the reality. Most people are interested in spiritual things. They're, they're open to spiritual conversations. People are looking for satisfaction and purpose and meaning, just like you are. A lot of people sense that something is missing, and they aren't quite sure what it is. We've all been there. Maybe you're there right now. And it's into this setting that God speaks through Paul to them and to us. So let's see how the story goes. All right, so it's in Acts chapter 17. We're going to start in verse 22. 
Paul then stood up at the meeting of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. Now what you worship as something unknown, I am going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth. And he does not live in temples built by human hands. And he's not served by human hands as if he needed anything because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. From one man he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. God did this so men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by man's design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to all men by raising him from the dead. So in just a a few verses here, Paul begins to make this unknown God known. And there are a lot of things we can get from this, but, but here are at least four things we see that Paul explains about who God really is. And first he says God is creative. God created us. And whether God did that in in six 24-hour periods or some longer duration is not the point. The reality is God created the universe and all of us. Everything was created by God. Sir Isaac Newton, uh, he had a miniature replica of the solar system in his study. And uh, one day a friend came in and saw it and he said, Oh, that is exquisite. That is an amazing amazing invention. Who made that? And Sir Isaac Newton said, well, no one did. And the man said, do you think I'm a fool? I mean, obviously, that was made by someone with great intelligence, and it was well designed. Newton put his book down and went up to his colleague and put his hand on his shoulder. He said, It's interesting because you look at a model of something and you say there's no possible way that that could have just happened. And yet when you look at the actual creation, the thing the model is built from, you say no one did that. It just happened on its own. He says, now let me ask, by what reason Did you come to that conclusion? We are not an accident. The universe did not just happen. We were designed. We were formed. Lovingly created. God is creative. God is creator. So we see that here. We also see that God is personal. Now, this would have been a really odd concept for them. For them, their gods were were beings, entities that were harsh. 
and condemning, unknowable. And there are people today that feel the same way about God the creator. But the truth is God created everything and everyone and God is very personal. And we see that here in Acts 17. And we also see it in other places. Just listen to a few additional verses that talk about this. In in John chapter 10, Jesus talks about uh, him as the shepherd and that the, the followers are the sheep. And he says, the sheep, they, they know my voice. And I call them by name and I lead them on their journey. Jesus, God in the flesh, is personal. In John 17, Jesus is praying right before he's getting ready to go to the cross and guess who was on his mind? You. Me. Me. And this is why he's praying to God the Father. I have made you, made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. That is personal. 1 John 3, 1 says, How great the love is the love the Father has lavished on us, poured out on us, that we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are. And Jesus, when he's teaching the disciples to pray, he uses the word daddy to begin the prayer. He talks about saying, Abba, daddy. God is incredibly personal, very much related to. He he is able to be known. That, That points out one thing about God that is different. He's creator, he's personal, but there's even more. There's so much about God that is different, and that's what Paul was pointing out. He's saying, you know, God is different. He's altogether unique, he is separate, he is distinct. And the Bible, when when it talks about God's difference, uses a word that is holy. That's the word, holy. And that word basically just means set apart, to be distinct. In some places it says that God is holy, holy, holy. Holy. He is three times holy. He is so far removed from anything else. You and I could make a list of things that we adore, that we worship, even if we wouldn't use those terms. I mean, we, let's be honest. We could write down some things that we, we put a lot of stock in, maybe people, maybe stuff, whatever it happens to be. And when we, when we compare that to God, they're just not the same. Imagine you've been outside. Let's say it's mid-July. It's 98 degrees, 98% humidity. You know the day. (laughs) And you're mowing, right? Or or you're out gardening or you're running or you're riding your bike or something. I mean, it is just stinking hot. And you're thinking, man, I, I need a tall glass of lemonade. Ice cold lemonade. Oh, that would be amazing. But then you say, you know what? Here is grass. Grass is green. Green is close to yellow. They're kind of in the same family of colors. Grass has a little bit of moisture in it. I think I'll just eat some grass. That'll work. Or look at this plant. It's yellow. Lemonade is yellow. I think I will 
eat this plant. Or even better, you remember you were thumbing through a magazine and there was a, a glass of ice cold lemonade from Chick-fil-A. Great lemonade. And you're thinking, oh, I am going to take that magazine and tear it out. I'm going to eat that paper. It's going to be amazing. Well, duh, that's so silly. We would never do anything like that. But how often do we take a substitute for what God has, the best, the original, the only, and we put something in its place and pretend like that's going to work? God is as different from those other gods as a piece of paper is from a glass of lemonade. They're just not comparable. We also see here that God is ready. He is waiting to be found. He's ready to welcome us from the things that we have done that have broken our relationship with him. And he's the only one who can fix it. He's waiting for us to turn around or that word that we saw, repent. That's what it means to turn around, do a 180, go back the other direction. God has built this bridge across the chasm through Jesus and the cross, and he says, you can come across, walk across, come to me. Well, there's so much more in here. I mean, there's so much more. But just think of those four things one more time. God is creative, God is personal, God is different, and God is ready. And one of the great things about being a follower of Jesus is that the Holy Spirit comes into your life, and when that happens, the Holy Spirit helps you to become more like God. He does a lot of things, but that's one of the things he helps you to do is to look more like God. And so what that means is we, as people who are followers of Jesus, need to be creative and personal. We need to be different and ready. So Jesus' followers... You need to be creative. Now, you can't create the universe out of nothing by simply speaking. But you can create a relationship where there wasn't one before. That looks a lot like God. So look for creative ways to make a positive difference in people's lives. You are who you are for a reason. So use your talents and gifts to serve others, to, to help others, and, and keep doing that. There's somebody around you who doesn't know that God created them. So be creative and help them discover we should also be different. Followers of Jesus have a different approach to this life, both life here on earth and eternal life after this life. And we live differently, not because we're better than other people, but because our God is better than any God, and because Jesus fills us with hope and peace and joy that the world just can't offer. And that, that love and joy and peace and all the things, those don't depend on our circumstances. 
there's someone around you that doesn't know that God is different. So you be different and help them discover God. We should be ready. The last two weeks we looked at First uh, Peter 3.15 which says this, In your heart set apart Christ as Lord, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you for the reason, for the hope that is in you. But do this with gentleness and respect. Isn't that exactly what Paul did here in Acts 17? They asked him to speak and he did and he did it with truth, with gentleness, with respect. There's someone around you who does not know that God is ready to welcome them back, no matter who they are, no matter what they've done. Maybe that's you. If you're a follower of Jesus, be ready and help someone discover God. Make the unknown God known. As we launch into this series, as we address uh, these issues in our culture, like Paul, we, we just have to be sure that our anchor, our, our reference, our truth, our measure, what and who we talk about is God. No matter what issue we're talking about, we're pointing people to the Bible and to Jesus. Because otherwise, we're just talking like anyone else. Just human reasoning and thoughts and philosophies and wisdom, opinions. So we are going to share God's truth with passion and with compassion. Now, the story in Acts 17 isn't over. And this is going to connect with us so much as those of us who are followers of Jesus. You're just going to say, wow, that is what happens. Verse 32, when they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some sneered, others said, we want to hear you again on this subject. At that, Paul left the council. A few men became followers and believed. Among them was Dionysius, a member of the Areopagus, and also a woman named Damaris, and a number of others. When you talk about Jesus, there is going to be a response. Now, one response we note here is rejection. Some people are going to sneer, they're going to mock, they're going to laugh, they're going to say, you believe that? Don't worry about it. It is well with my soul. Remember, people are not the enemy. Other people are are going to believe Some will be convicted and and choose to follow Jesus immediately. And when that happens, you celebrate together and encourage each other. And again, if that's you today, if you are at that point and you're saying, I believe, but I've never really done anything with that, uh, we want you to come up. We're going to sing a song in a few minutes, and you can just come up. We'll talk with you. We'll pray about your journey. Uh, We'll just start to walk through this together. Interestingly, uh, 1 Corinthians 1.18 lists these two first responses 
the one of rejection, the one of belief, and it points out something else. It points out that there's a result that comes from each of those responses. It says, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are headed for destruction. But we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. We want to be very, very lovingly clear. Your response to the message of Jesus leads to one of two things. It either leads to destruction or it leads to salvation. And remember God's heart. His heart is that no one would perish, that everyone would be saved. So take him up on that. The text also notes another response, and there are a lot of people in this category. It's the, I'm not sure. I really don't know. But I'm interested. Would you tell me more about it? And if that's you, wow, we would love to have that conversation with you. And we hope that your interest will become belief. If you're already a follower of Jesus, live in a way that you can build bridges to have spiritual conversations like Paul did. Think of this. This is remarkable. We people get to help make the unknown God known. We get to help make the unknown God known. And knowing God brings something incredible. Life. Life that's abundant here and life that goes on forever and ever. John 17, 3 says, Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Can you think of anything more relevant to share with someone, then life So as we journey together for the next six weeks, we're going to lean into some relevant issues for today, and we want to be creative, we want to be personal, we want to be different, we want to be ready. We, we always want to speak the truth, we always want to speak the truth in love. And we're not going to worry so much how people respond. That's not our responsibility. As we close, let me share one more time my heart on this. We're going to intentionally speak about some compelling issues. And we're going to do that with truth and with passion. But we remember that God is for people. And so we are for people, no matter who they are, no matter what they're doing, no matter what they've done. We are for people. And again, it's not because we're great. It's because God is great. So we're going to speak with passion and with compassion. Now, obviously, when you talk about issues like the ones we're getting into, you're going to have different points of view, opposing positions, contrasting worldviews, conflicting beliefs. The issues we're going to look at are going to create some lines of division. 
but we need to look at them because they're so relevant. And we're going to dig into these compelling issues, and we're going to share God's truth. Compelling issues, compassionate truth. May God work in us and through us over these next six weeks. Now, I'm asked, I'd ask right now if you would just stand, and I'd like for us to pray together, and then we're going to enter into a time of, of decision and commitment and worship. Let's pray. God, we need your wisdom, your words. As we share truth, we want to speak um, with bold humility, with gentleness and respect, with passion and with compassion. Help us to be creative, personal, different, ready, and relevant. And God, I really pray that we would also not only be people who speak, but we would be people who listen. As James 1.19 tells us, we're, we're people who are supposed to be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry. And we need to hear people. We need to hear their hearts, their struggles, their confusion. We need to hear our own. But most of all, God, we need to hear you. We ask that the Holy Spirit would speak clearly to our spirits. Help us to hear you. We thank you that Jesus is absolutely real that he came down to earth and rescued us, that we have hope in him, that we have eternal life. What a great, creative, personal, different, ready, completely relevant God you are. Again, we say thanks. In the name of Jesus, amen.